0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Dan K. Show presents Junior Hockey, the premier podcast about junior hockey, college hockey, and everything beyond that. But there's nothing, there's no getting beyond the person that I have to introduce because without him, this show doesn't have a name. It's the host, Dan K. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Lucas, so far,
1: these have been really good introductions, but this time, the only thing I'm getting credit for is the name of the show. Um, I, I, I feel a little bit more hurt this go around, but I am going to get past it. I'm going to get by it because I am excited for what we have in store for the hockey fans across the world today. We got some new friends and it's not often, well, actually in the USPHL, it has been often that we have seen this expansion and we have seen teams come into the fold and we've seen teams find success immediately. Well, the league has gone out west. They have taken the Oregon Trail and they found their way to a little western expansion. And here with us today is a team we cannot wait to see take the ice next season. The Pueblo Bulls, folks, out in Colorado will be, actually we have a story coming up, the ninth of nine teams to join the league here. And with us today we have owner Jerry Wilhite. Coach Chris Wilhite and GM General Manager David Nelson, all joining us. Gentlemen, how are you all doing today?
2: Doing well, Dan. Thanks uh, for having us. Um, We appreciate the opportunity to be on the show today.
1: We are excited to have them all here. We are going to be talking Pueblo Bulls. We're going to be talking Western expansion. We're going to be digging into a little bit of why they made the decision to make this move to the USPHL and then. Talking about recruiting in some odd times, because what we love to do here on the Dan Kay Show is inform the player, inform the parent, inform those folks who are going through a different recruiting process than they've ever gone through before. We want to find your next home for you. But first, Lucas is going to find a home for this beer, hopefully in your bellies in his mind, because Lucas, I think you got a little bit of a review today for those hockey parents at home.
0: I do actually. Uh, so I figured in honor of the USPHL going West and adding some of our West Coast and our mountain friends that I would pick a beer uh, from out West. It's North Coast Brewing, the barrel aged Old Rasputin, the 21. Um, so Old Rasputin is a, a beer that you can find, again, pretty much everywhere. We, we talked about the importance of that last week. But this is kind of their, uh, their jazzed up version. It's a Russian imperial stout that's been barrel aged uh, in bourbon barrels. And it is just exquisite. I mean, (laughs) there's there's really not a ton of words I can describe it. I I make sure to get myself one every year. I try to have it on my birthday as a celebration. This year, my birthday was a bit chaotic and middle of the week, so I didn't get a chance to, but this is a great beer. It it doesn't pour with much head because of the high alcohol content, but it's dark, it's malty, it's got those vanilla notes that you love out of a bourbon barrel beer, but it's not too sweet. And I know uh, some folks along with myself We get nervous about these bourbon barrel beers because we say, oh, they're they're so sweet. They taste like syrup or soy sauce. This one is a nice dark chocolate. It is perfect with the vanilla and the wood notes. It is a great beer. If you can find it, snag it. And if you can't find it, check online, be on the lookout for bourbon barrel lovers. This is a good one.
1: Lucas, you got a score for it? You always forget the score.
0: I always forget the score. I'm too enthralled by the beer. Uh... This one is really good. It's really special to me. It's really, really good. I would give this one a a 9.1. Now, I think this easily breaks into the nine category. You use words like exquisite
1: in your reviews, things like that. I drink coffee, folks. And and when I'm on the road, when we're doing 12, earlier, earlier last season, we did a 25 hockey broadcasts in three days down in Hampton Roads, Virginia. And Dan Kay needed to run on coffee. Not a regular gas kind of guy. Neither is my car because it's in bad shape. But I went with the Tanzanian pea berry today. And you can find this at worldatlascoffee.com. And this is a coffee company that delivers coffee right to your doorstep. And what better time to get coffee to your doorstep than during quarantine? And, and this has kept me sane this tanzanian peaberry uh, let me get lucasy for a second here it's exquisite i would say a little bit of honey they tell me a little bit of chocolate finish i never taste any of it i don't have taste buds lucas i don't have the ability to do it what i do taste is a little bit of caffeination and it has gotten me ready to go i would give this thing an 8.6 which is my highest score yet on the coffee scale get the worldatlascoffee.com and check this thing out one coffee to your home each month and with that in mind I'm excited. I talk about that caffeination because I am about to bring the energy to a great interview. We are going to have the chance to pick the minds of the Pueblo Bulls. And gentlemen, it is time for the free skate where we just, we get to talk a little bit. And I think introductions are really in order. I'm going to start with the owner here. Start with the guy that is pulling the strings behind the scenes who has helped prop this organization up, start this organization up, the Pueblo Bulls, Jerry Wilhite. First of all, I, I got I to gotta talk to you a little bit Can you introduce the folks at home to the Pueblo Bulls? Tell us a little bit about the organization.
2: Well, Dan, it was, uh, I guess, a couple of years ago, uh, almost uh, two to three years ago today, that uh, uh, Dave Nelson, our general manager, and uh, Chris Wilhite, our head coach, uh, Tyler Thunberg, one of our assistants as well, uh, came to my office here in Pueblo, Colorado, prior to graduation, and said they wanted to start up a junior hockey team. And uh, we had gone six years in junior hockey in the Western States with uh, my middle son, Marcus, and then uh, Chris played four years in the Western States before going to college. And um, my uh, CFO at the time told him that you'll have five minutes to present your program, and if in five minutes it's not going anywhere, you'll get up and walk out. And i got to tell you, these guys knocked it out of the park. Uh, Bar down is the word I use in how they uh, performed. And putting together the business plan and bringing it to me, and it uh, it was something that I that I could not not do. So um, the guys were phenomenal in putting it together. They went down and worked in the rink for a year, got involved in the community. Um, Dave Beamster, who played for Chicago, wrote him a really nice letter to the uh, for the um, city council. We got in front of the city council, and the city of Pueblo has done nothing but embrace us. With open arms, and and it has been uh, for our inaugural season. I I I will say on a scale of one to ten, it was a fifteen. Unbelievable the way the city embraced us, the fans embraced us, and the and the players took a leap leap, leap of faith and coming to play for
1: this coaching staff and did a phenomenal job. Now, with that, I go to the general manager here, and you talk about the the inaugural season last year, the inaugural season for this organization. As a general manager, it's tough enough. Junior hockey every year is almost a new team. I mean, you have some folks who return, but every year you feel like you're building a brand new roster, which is different than any other level in the sport. Talk to me, Dave, how do you put together a team from scratch there? how do you get it all working? And how'd you make it so successful in year one?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, first and foremost, we had to, to sit down and, and look at uh, the style of play we wanted to, to be that and um, you know uh, we were patient in the process um, you know we had an opportunity to come into the western states um, two years ago right off the bat and then we had chose to, to take an extra year and and uh, really focus on our recruiting and, and travel around and um, you know watch a lot of hockey whether that uh, here was in Colorado or, or uh, myself and Tyler originally from Minnesota so we'd go back there uh, travel uh, just as much as possible and, and watch um, as much hockey as possible, uh, hitting up camps, showcases, things like that. And, and then, uh, finding our identity, um, of the type of players that, uh, you know, we think would, you know, best fit, uh, our structure and, and style. And, and, uh, you know, ultimately we, we found a, a great group of guys, um, that, uh, came in and, and, uh, bought into not only us as, as a young coaching staff, um, but the community. Um and ultimately, you know, put in the work every day and, and found success. And, and we had a great year after that.
1: Now we head over to coach here, Chris, I, I, I want to talk a little bit about your style, right? There's, this is going to be a, a new landscape for us to get into. We haven't had a chance to really dig in deep and see the Pueblo Bulls play, which I'm saying it right now. I think Pueblo as a Jersey guy, we kind of say every name of every place outside of this state incorrectly, but I'm glad I'm saying it right now, but Chris, Talk a little bit about your system there. What style do you play? What's your philosophy behind the bench? What should a player be looking at when they look at the Pueblo Bulls as a potential destination?
4: Uh, yeah, first off, I just want to thank you guys for, uh, for having us. But um, one thing with, with getting the Bulls, um, you're getting a fast-paced hockey. Uh, we're, we're, we're fast, we're big, um, we're strong um we're, we're a team that likes to get out after it after, once the puck drops um we don't really want to take any time we, we kind of want to jump all over you as fast as possible
1: i love that and, and that's a style I'm, I'm telling you i was just digging into the numbers a little bit with with you guys out there lucas i know we talked about this how excited are you lucas to see these guys take on some of the boys in the midwest and the southeast next season
0: Oh, I am. I'm so excited. I mean, there's there's something electrifying about the style that is out there in the Midwest. And and like Dan said, when we were kind of looking into the new teams, we kind of noticed a lot of common threads. And I, I think that's really exciting for us as broadcasters, because it's, it's, you know, more teams to talk about and dive into it's it's more, more players that we can really try to, to raise up and promote as best we can. And, and these games are going to be fun. I mean, you you could boil it down to just that statement. I think I think these these teams, the Pueblo Bulls, the other additions to the USPHL, it's going to be a lot of fun seeing who they mix up and match with. You're going to get a lot of new, interesting coast-to-coast rivalries. I mean, one year we had two teams at the end of the season who had never played each other in, in about a season and a half. We said, oh, this should be fun for a first matchup. And they were playing each other like they had been bitter enemies for the last fifty years. I mean, it was it was so much fun to watch, and I feel like some great rivalries are really going to produce themselves.
1: Now, anybody can feel this question. I don't know. Maybe we'll go coach here, since you're behind the bench. You could see kind of the venom out there on the ice. Can you talk a little bit about of these nine teams? Has it has maybe a, a rivalry moved over to the USPHL with you? Is there is there anybody in the league that you think? we should be watching out for. We should have highlighter on the schedule when you take on one of these squads out in your in your division in your
4: league. Um, Yeah. I mean, uh, our, our, rival from Northern Colorado, um, the Eagles, they, they moved along with us as well. Um, I know we finished the season, the last two series against them. Um, and our guys, they, they were hungry heading into playoffs, facing them the first round. Um, so we were potentially going three, three weekends in a row against them and, I know our fans and everybody back here in Pueblo they they love it um for for our way series up in Northern Colorado. We had over two hundred and fifty fans travel up there and watch those games. Um, so I know the city of Pueblo they they love those games. They loved it when they was in town. They love it, it was in north northern Colorado. Um, but the Eagles, that is definitely one where our players are excited to wake up for it.
1: and people don't realize the success that that number truly is. I mean, we look at we look at the the New York Rangers in Madison square garden or the Canadians up in Montreal. And we think, uh, sellouts are in the tens of thousands, but when you are playing junior hockey and you're bringing the numbers that you all are bringing into the building, that is a feat. And, and, and it's, it's an amazing feat and to do it in such an organic way, the way you all do it is something to be proud of and something that as a player, do I want to take puck drop in front of two or do I want to take puck drop in front of 750, right? And, and that's, a, that's an easy answer for a player a lot of times. And you look down, the, the places I draw comparisons for our USPHL fans who are getting to know the Western Division, the Western Conference now out there, is the Richmond Generals, who we've gone out there a few times throwing T-shirts into the crowd on their fan appreciation nights where they're bringing in 800, or Marty Quarters and John Schwarz and their Wisconsin Rapids River Kings who are bringing in 750 a night, 800 a night in Southwood County. And this is going to be an exciting place to play for any player who makes the trip out there. Now, I, I know we had a story before we got on live, but I do want to hear it now, Jerry. Let's talk about the, the ninth team in. You guys were Mr. Owner. And you guys, you guys made that last move. You had to make it within a week. What, what sold you on the USPHL? What made that move happen at the last second there for you?
2: Well, we had some of the other teams in the league call us literally, like I said, a week before decisions were made, and most of them were in the division or in the areas that that we thought we were going into the year before. Um, we thought we were in the Mountain Division, and literally the month before the season started, we were told we were in the Midwest Division, and what it did is it took our farthest trip to become our shortest trip. Um So what, besides Northern Colorado. So our our shortest trip was now an eight to 10 hour drive where our longest trip would have been an eight to 10 hour drive. So I got that call on a Monday, on a Tuesday, I was on a call with the other 18s on a Thursday, eight of them decided uh, or, or the nine of us decided that uh, we were probably going to make the leap. And I, and I think a lot of that had to do with uh, Richard Glant and conversations with people on our team and felt that, uh, that he was a guy that we wanted uh, to hook our horse to, that uh, we really felt that, that his uh, – and, and I said this to him on that conference call I had. His um, uh, having the league buttoned down, or at least the, the, the uh, meeting, having an agenda, walking through it with us, kind of giving us a, a real, real good feel that this was a good move for us, that, that literally within a week, and the, I think the guys were on board the first day. Um, I know the league from a standpoint of uh, when my middle son played in nationals, it was against the EJ, it was against the MJ, and it was us. And if you looked at it now, you kind of got pieces of all three of those leagues now together in a, in a league. And uh, I remember nationals that year, and the Monarchs ended up winning it. And they had 11 guys go D1. So uh, we knew they had some good players. Uh, I got to see them play, and they were good players. But in a week's period of time, we made the move. It was, uh, it was fast and furious. Obviously, I had to get, uh, you know, our legal counsel involved to make sure it was the right thing for us to do. And so far, uh, I, I can't be more pleased. And I don't think the other uh, – I know that the other eight teams are as pleased as I am.
1: And, and we've obviously – I mean – Richard has given us the opportunity to kind of cover this league across the country, cover hockey across the country. And, and he's really a visionary. I mean, when we started this podcast, we started this five years ago. I was actually found by Richard and Sean Trombley, who was coaching for him at the Islanders Hockey Club, working for the Flyers organization at the time. And, and we made this move over. We We got ourselves in front of cameras, on the microphones, and we're the first podcast really in the junior hockey realm to cover a league and be league centric. And since then, it's just, it's been steps forward leaps and bounds at times. And it's been so fun working in this league and you see the expansion. And this is something, look, expansion folks at home is always going to be a a two way street. Some folks are going to look at it and say, Hey, the numbers are too big. But when I look at, at it as leagues expand, as this league has expanded, the play has only gotten better. We were talking before this interview. There were 16 teams at nationals for the premiere, and I couldn't, I, I could have picked out of a hat and been happy with the champion. I, I mean, that's how much parody there was in the USPHL premier. And now I go to Dave Nelson here before we jump into some of our lines of questioning next up, but, but Dave, I want to talk to you. How do you plan on putting this all together here to compete in the USPHL Premier, how do you plan to get the roster together? Do you have some guys moving over from last year? What's the roster going to look like? What's what's the build look like so far?
3: Yeah, I think uh, for us, uh, we don't want to change too much within, you know, our style and and structure and and what we've done uh, here in the first year uh, with the the success rate that we've had. But, um, you know, we've had – great number of guys that are looking to uh resign with us and and key guys as well um you know you, you look down our, our roster as far as uh uh last year um we only had uh, we acquired uh three 320 year olds at, at trade deadline which you know only put us at, at six or seven 20 year olds so we were a really young team last year um inexperienced but uh they they grew as players and um, you know, ultimately had, had a good run going in, into the playoffs, obviously, before that kind of got shut down. But, um, you know, they, you know, we like to talk to them on a weekly basis of, of where they're at. And, um, you know, a lot of them have uh, kind of a, a sour taste in, in their mouth uh, with a little bit of unfinished business as far as, you know, they want to come back. They want to uh, uh, win together and, and, you know, proceed to, to win a national championship. And, and that's our end goal. Uh, so we have a, a good, uh, good core of guys coming back, and, and we've been uh, uh, having success early as far as uh, recruiting players that are wanting to come here and, and play and uh, be a be a part of our program um, and, and play in front of uh, a great fan base here in Pueblo. So, um, you know, we got guys like uh, Benny Saint Ange coming back who uh, hit the hundred point mark last year. Uh, Caleb Ross is coming back, who's a great defenseman. Brock McQuiston. Um, Milan Bretzko, 70 point guy, Cale Lone, um, who's, um, you know, our, our one of our top centers, uh, good power play guy as well. And, and uh, you know, you just kind of go down the list where, um, you know, we get a good core of our, our guys back that uh, had great success year one and looking to take uh, the next step um, in year two here. And, and, you know, you're not facing those challenges as uh, far as, you know, creating uh our expectation they know what uh the work needs to be put in and and you know how hard they got to work as far as the the goals they want to achieve as a team
1: i'll tell you and that that comeback you're gonna have a lot of teams this year teams like the pueblo bulls who, who had great seasons leading into the quarantine and and you're gonna have a lot of teams that have vendettas out there man they're gonna be the avengers next year looking to get that title and i can't wait to see it it is going to be a true national champion next year in the USPHL Premier. I can guarantee you that, with this geographical footprint bigger than any league in the country. With that, though, we turn, it is time to throw to our Q&A session here, we're going to get the juicy goose, we're going to talk about it all, Lucas will lead the way, Lucas Jones, take it away.
0: Thanks Dan. We're back now with the Q&A session. Uh, you know, and this is kind of where we now we can dive in. We can get a little deep in into the the Xs and Os and and find out a little bit more about this Bulls organization and I'd like to start uh with coach Willa, coach Chris. Um, you know, I'm the I'm the color commentator of the bunch. I, you know, Dan is the one who's talking all the time. He's over there giving you the uh the ones and twos and I am here trying to get the story behind the story. So, Help us out, help the folks at home out. Talk about your team in terms of the playing style. Talk about, you know, maybe some of the styles you run, what systems you try to go. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to give away the farm here, but I think it's, it's good to let the folks at home know what we can expect out of the bulls and what we can expect out of some of these teams from the mountain area and the, the West Coast area.
4: Yeah, um, so... With, the more you go out west, um, the style gets a little more similar um, with the teams that we're playing out here. Um, for the most part, every team that you see is going to be a big team. Um, they're going to have some big boys that are ready to go um, to, to kind of show you the physical side of the game. Um, but at the same time, the, the, the league over here is very fast. Um, they're they're get-up-and-go kind of guys. Um, one thing with our team is we, we really – um, reiterate to get the puck 200 feet. Um, if the puck's 200 feet, they, they're not scoring goals. Um, so one thing that we try to do is get the puck up ice as fast as possible. Um, yes, we want the puck on our stick, but we also want it 200 feet. So if we're working 200 feet away from our net, um, it, it seems like it's going to be a pretty good game for us.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting because it's it's kind of it almost feels like bits and pieces of of different leagues or different regions that we're used to covering all in, in one kind of package. Now, you know, the other thing that's interesting is when you have teams, like you said, that play sort of 200 feet from your own net, but also play with, with a lot of the speed that you talk about, you know, you, you match up well against some of these different divisions. Have you, have you gotten a lot of uh, experience in playing teams that focus potentially on one thing so how does a team like yours react to a team that plays you know very physically and the neutral zone versus a team that's a mirror image of you and likes to move the puck down the ice and play downhill
4: yeah um so one thing we we really harp on to our players is you have to adapt um whether it's on the ice off the ice you have to be willing to adapt so if a team wants to come in and try to play a physical game try to hand us down um, we know we have to get the puck out and use our speed to go into the neutral zone and get into the offensive zone. Um, if a team wants to try to play us um, fast and kind of our speed, um, then we slow their game down, make them play to our speed and what we want to do. Um, so it's really a, the game is, is adapting. Um, so for our guys, they really understand that um, one shift may be different um, than the next, but every shift you have to come out ready to go and kind of read the play and read what's going on. Um, but our, our guys know that um, if they do what they need to do then then things will take care of themselves but um they they are they last year specifically they did a very good job at adapting to the type of type of game that we need to
0: play in and one more in this this quick little flurry for you here coach um you know the one of the things the USPHL is so focused on is the development of the player. Um, you know, it's one of the hallmarks of that league. And it's something that Dan and I have really, in our in our five years, now going into our sixth with the league, have tried to harp on as well. How does opening your team up to different regions, different play styles, a completely different grouping of players that they've never seen before, how does that help them develop into better hockey players?
4: Well, first off, every every player comes into the comes into the office saying they want to make NCAA Division One, Division Three. Um, so, first off, with this move, it, it puts us more into that geographical area of, of getting seen by these D three, D one colleges. Um, the more you go west, the the less D one, D three there is out here. Um, the more east, the more NCAA. So, um, one thing that we are trying to do and. Harp is that they will get seen more um, with their goals of making nCAA um, that 's our goal as well as putting them in the eye in front of the eyes of NCAA um, so right then and there just kind of for them to realize that they have a better opportunity to get seen to do what they need to do to progress their hockey career um, that kind of gets them more excited just internally if if they need to do what they need to do then then good things will happen and they 'll get seen by who they want to get seen by so um, just the move in general, um, knowing that they, they get to get seen by um, who they want to be seen, that, that right there just gets them excited.
1: Now, jumping in here, Jerry, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about the community because as a player, as you guys have now opened up this landscape for yourselves, right, this is now a national recruiting move because playing in the USPHL, you're going to be playing as far northeast as Maine, you're going to be playing as far southeast as Estero, as, as Florida, you're going to be out as far Southwest as Anaheim and San Diego and and moving all the way up into Oregon. I mean, this is, this is worldwide. Now this is nationwide for the player that's looking for that next place to play, especially at a time where they can't get out and visit. Can you kind of let them know a little bit about the community they will be moving into and and the, the team and organization they'll be playing for. How, How does the living style work with the Pueblo Bulls? Well, First and foremost, we have an a unbelievable network
2: of, of billet families. And uh, I think the hardest day for Puebla w- was obviously the close season. The second hardest day was the players leaving their billet families. Um, these billet families embrace these kids like there's no tomorrow and involved in the community. Um, the one thing uh, uh, the other day we met with the city, Um, Steve Meyer was in charge of planning for the city's overseas parks and recreation great news was after one season they were talking to us about how they could enhance the uh, arena for for our fans and for our players after after one year and um, that tells you every meeting he goes to he says that the, the he gets is a comment of the Bulls hockey team whether he's in a planning meeting or he's in a, a Parks and Rec meeting, so that that talks a little bit about how the city's embraced. But I think more so is we're really involved in the community. Um, the kids go to practice at eight in the morning. They're off the ice at ten. They go over to uh, our training center, which, if you have not had a chance to look at it, it's the uh, it's the pro uh, the PR, the Pro Bowl Riders Association's um, training facility that was opened up literally as our season started last year. And they work with a, a training um, a coordinator who played uh, for the Denver, um, uh, unbelievable guy, uh, big guy. I know none of the kids will mess with him, but the the bottom line is is that they leave and then they have things to do, whether they go to work or they go read books to the students at the school or they're involved in, in different aspects. Uh, I could tell you one of the things that, that makes me feel really good is we actually did beauty pageants, or the players were the judges at beauty pageants at senior living centers this year, and the kids get into the hospitals. They go everywhere, and I got to tell you, um, we this year, and, and if you haven't read about it, we were asked by uh, our congresswoman in, uh, in uh, Pueblo to go and be recognized on the, on the floor of the, of the state capital, um, and all of our players. And some of our players who obviously are, are, are uh, European who came in, they said, oh, we're going to, we're going to the White House. <laughs> and no, you're not going to the White House. That's in Washington, DC, but these fellas got an opportunity to be in front of, uh, you know the entire uh, the Congress of uh, the state of Colorado, and I, I said the only way that the Avalanche get there is if they win the Stanley Cup, and, and we made it there already in our first inaugural year. But the city, the student, ca- or the city council, um, the the businesses in town, um, I can't thank them enough, and any player that. You know, to come off the ice and have literally hundreds, 100 fans wanting your autograph. And we do a skate with the players on Saturday nights. And the players are out there with, you know, a team photo and they're signing it for the kids. And um, those are the things that pull at my heartstrings as is, is I watch these kids, um, you know, get, get treated as though they're, they're professional hockey players at the age of 16 to 20. So it's pretty exciting for us, and, and the city's been absolutely unbelievable.
1: And that's something, folks. I mean, when we always, Lucas and I get reached out to by parents, players all the time, especially now in the landscape we're in, where, where a lot of people are, are wondering, how do I get recruited? How do I get seen? How do I make the right choice in my junior hockey career? And you look at organizations like this, and you see the recognition. You see them at the state capitol. You see them in the community. and you see the, the importance. The, the first thing that I looked at there is the first part of that response is the billet families. Right? And people overlook that in this junior hockey experience. But it, it, it's so important to see that the, the priorities are correct, right? And in the right order. And, and what you all are doing out there is absolutely splendid. I mean, earlier this year, when we, when we have favorites, we, we went out to Wisconsin Rapids. Marty Quarters and John Schwartz do such a great job out there. We had the cheese curd cup. We brought a giant trophy out, filled it with cheese curds from a local restaurant sponsor, Grace's Family Restaurant out there, and, and handed out the cup to the winner of the series for the season. I mean, I'd love to get out there, Lucas. we got to figure this out. The only problem is I don't know if Rocky Mountain oysters are going to fit in a cup. I don't know if that's going to be the right thing. You guys, you guys, <laughs> is there another local delicacy we could maybe fill a cup with? I mean, we love a trophy filled with some, some edible arrangements there. We
2: can do Buffalo burger sliders or something like that uh, here in the state of Colorado, obviously a lot of, of Buffalo's here. So we can do something uh, in, in that uh, area, Dan. And one thing that if I was remiss to say our fan base and you brought it up, Four of our last six games, we sold out the facility at 870. We averaged 770 for the year. Um, the guys can tell you a little story, and hopefully they'll have a chance to, about a couple of players that came to town, one that actually came from another team, and then one that came uh, at the beginning of the year and stepping on the ice uh, for the uh, starting lineup and seeing 700 or 870 fans. And we do have a live bull. It's a mini-moo. We had uh, requested him before he was born. Two weeks later, he was born, and his name's Pueblo, and we bring him out onto the ice. Um, he's grown to about 250 pounds now. He'll get up to about 650, but we have a live mascot, uh, Pueblo. But our fan base has been absolutely enormous for our, our players. Um, but they've got a couple of stories they can tell you
1: about a couple of players when they stepped onto the ice. I'll tell you if, if this quarantine goes on any longer, I might be topping out at 650 as well, along with it. But, <laughs> but let's go into it. I mean, who wants Dave, Chris? I mean, who wants to take the reins on this story? I'd love to hear about this this situation. You're jumping on the ice in front of 800 plus. I mean, that's a, that's a big thing in the junior hockey world. Who wants to take the reins on this one?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know, first and foremost, you know, going into our inaugural year, uh, the recruiting side of it. Uh, um, as a player, you, you don't know uh, what to expect as far as, you know, the number of fans you're going to play in front of. And, you know, opening weekend when uh, we hosted Wichita, uh, you know, we had a uh, sellout, uh, sellout crowd of, like Jerry said, 870 plus uh, for opening night. And uh, one of uh, our, our European players, um, you know, who, who's a top guy for us, uh, had never played in front of that many fans. And And so uh, you know, first period where he's a little shakish and, and he's coming off the ice and he coach, I, I, I don't know what's going on. I can't feel my, my hands, I can't skate, I can't uh, can't shoot the puck and, and after the first period he pulls us aside and, and we're like, What's going on? And uh, he just goes, I I I have never played in front of this many fans. I, I don't know what to do. And we're just like, Man, this is this is part of it. This is the experience that uh, you know, you want to play at the next level, whether that's college or you know, hopefully uh, professional down the road, you're going to play in front of this many people, if not way more. So you kind of got to, uh, you know, throw that out the window and, and just go out there and, and play your game. Uh, you know, then we made uh, um, a trade and, and acquired uh, uh, Benny St. Ange. And, and the first comment, uh, you know, he had made is, you know, when we, we played against you guys, there were great games and, and you get scored on and you can't even hear yourself think because the, the building gets so loud. <laughs> Um, so I, like, uh, Jerry touched on, we got a great, uh, great fan base that, uh, you know, we get asked a question all the time as far as, uh, um, expectation, you know, we, we have, uh, uh dreams and, and goals in mind as far as, you know, uh, what we, uh, were hoping for, you know, playing in an in, in inaugural year, but, uh, those are all question marks and, and, uh, the community of Pueblo and, and our, our fan base has exceeded every expectation, you know, we can ask. Uh, from the management side but uh, uh, player side it, it's fun for them and it, it's cool to uh, you know take a step back and just uh, see them embrace it and, and you know these are our times in our life where uh, you know they'll remember you know for the rest of their their uh, uh, life and, and, and hockey career.
1: And that's I mean the experience for the home player you could see the difficulties and now you think about it as the, the player who's skating in on the road you know in the hostile territory and it is got to be a great experience coach Chris I mean, it's got to be a great experience to be behind the bench with that kind of loud behind you talk about how that factors into your coaching style when you guys are at home how do you use that to your advantage?
4: Well you always can you, you know with having that many people in the in the stands and it being that loud um, again these, these kids are still young they're still 16 to 20 so to completely shut out um, the the outside of the rink, it, it's pretty tough to do. Um, so when you get a near a thousand people yelling at you, um, drinking beer, blowing their horns, ringing their cowbells, um, it, it is pretty hard to not um, pay attention and kind of give them a look. And I mean, our fans just wait for you to acknowledge them, and then they jump right over you. Um, what if you even look at them? You're you're there's the rest of the game. You're they're getting a sign made for you the next game um it's just kind of our fans kind of do what they can to get in the other team's head and I know it helps our guys out when when they come back to the bench and they just go we're in their head they're in their head let's get after them and it's just as a coach it's music to my ears that uh it it gets our guys excited and it gives them a little more energy to go get the win
1: love it I, I can't wait to interact with the fan base too as the season gets going from our end I mean we we have some fan bases out there similar to yours, one up in New Hampshire, the New Hampshire Monarchs, led by Ryan Frew. Their fan base, they walk around with giant goal horns and blow them at us every time we don't pick them uh, before the weekend out of a showcase. Then down in Richmond, we, we went down there after we put them. We have our premier power rankings, which we can't wait to see Pueblo make their way into this year. And we we do our top 10 teams in the country. And obviously, it's a, a coveted spot in, in a league with so many organizations. and we put the Richmond generals at number six and then had to go out to Richmond to do a game in their barn. And the entire crowd, 750 people turned around holding up the number six at us and booing us as the game got underway. And I'll tell you, it is tough doing play by play when you're being booed. Doc Emmerich never gets booed. So we we took it to the next level. (laughs) So we can't wait to see how your audience interacts with us. I mean, we hope to make them make them friends you know and that and that's how we are with all these organizations and and their fan bases and you know we we keep moving into this thing and now I want to move into kind of where the hockey world stands now and this is what the parents want to hear this is what the players want to hear it's the answers to questions that you know it's tough to give sometimes it it, this is once in a lifetime no one's ever gone through a recruiting process quite like this before there's an inability to put on training camps. There's an inability to watch guys skate in front of you. And there's really, when the season was cut short, that inability to watch that late season live footage or get out to events around the country to find some of those diamonds in the rough. I'll start with Dave here, just as from the GM's perspective, what should a parent or player be doing right now? What, what are you doing from your end as a GM during this COVID-19 quarantine?
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, from from our end on our our side of it, uh, you know, our, our recruiting's changed uh, a little bit. Where uh, you know you're you're probably communicating on the phone a lot more than uh, um, versus you know going to to showcases and things like that. Uh, you know, we had uh, a schedule here planned out as far as uh, uh, different camps that that we plan to attend and and showcases and whatnot. And uh, you know, unfortunately, as far as uh, you know, making sure. Um, you know, these, these uh showcases are, are taking the necessary steps. Some of them have gotten canceled. So our our mindsets change a little bit and and how we uh, plan. Uh our biggest thing on our end as a group is is we want to try to promote uh what it's like to be a bull um on an everyday basis. So we try to, you know, utilize social media, uh, update our website as much as possible. Uh try to give them uh the experience as far as what to expect. Um, you know, Telling um, our day-to-day schedule as far as practice in the morning workout in the afternoon, uh, additional ice time that we're able to provide uh, with focusing on the skill development side of things. And uh, again, just kind of continuing to to push, um, you know, what it's like to uh, play here in, in, in Pueblo uh, with our fan base and whatnot. And then, uh, you know, advice that I could give to, to parents and players is to do your research. You know, I think... Um, every league and and every uh, team has has different uh, uh, pros and cons to it and, and different things that uh, they're able to provide you know uh, their their players so you know uh, ultimately i'm I'm a firm believer um, you know you always want to play at the highest league possible and, and play at the best hockey but you know it's also important that you're in an environment uh, where you feel like you're able to uh, you know ultimately develop as a player and, and have success on and off the ice you know uh, junior hockey um, is, is a great landscape where you get better as a player. Uh, but you know, we, we pride ourselves over here as we're trying to make, uh, uh, better people, you know, we're, we're growing these, uh, uh young adults into men and we, uh, look to, to give every opportunity that we can do that. So, um, again, I think it's just, you know, them doing their research, making sure it's the best fit for them and, and their parents and, um, you know, try to find a, a comfortable spot for, for everybody in this, this time. And that's
1: such a such a great way to put it, is creating great people. And so many so many folks, we get so tied up in the hockey end of junior hockey that we forget that we're creating not just the player on the ice, but the player off the ice. Mm-hmm. And it's what we focus on so much from our end. I mean, Lucas, obviously, is in the educational field. So for him, he's dealing with them on a day-to-day basis. And this, you look at certain things, like some of the best success stories I look at in, in my career doing this, a guy like... Sam Buck, who played with the Philadelphia Flyers organization when I was there, when they had the junior flyers out in Southwest Jersey. And this is a guy who went to college, used his D1 commitment, never really made it on the ice, but used it to now work as a stockbroker. I mean, and you, you see the success he's having now in the real world. And a lot of these guys aren't going to go pro. They're going to need to make their way into the real world. So having people behind the scenes working with them to get to that next step is so important. And and coach, I jump to you now to talk about on the ice, right? Obviously, there is not a lot of ice out there to get on during all this. For a player at home, we, we've been getting videos sent to us from around the country and around the world actually. We just got one from Sweden of players putting in the work without the ice, in the backyard, in the driveway, down the street at the, the local basketball courts. Can you can you tell a player at home, what should they be doing? What type of work can they be putting in right now to, to better themselves on the ice?
4: Yeah. I mean, classic summer, um, try to get strong, try to get big. big. Um, that's more summer workouts than, than in the year. Uh, but also trying to keep your feet up to speed um, with you not being able to go on the ice and kind of get in your skates um, footwork, speed work, um, trying to keep into the motion that, once you do get back onto the ice, you don't feel um, slow motion. Um, you don't feel like you have been out of it for, for years. Um, you kind of feel like that. You still have your feet. You still have your motions that you can kind of still do what you've done all throughout your hockey career. Um, so one thing with that is I know right now it's kind of tough for guys to jump out and kind of get motivated, do what they need to do. But um, this is honestly the perfect time to do it. Um, there's not much other things you can do besides <laughs> play video games and eat for, for these guys. Um, so they might as well work out some exercise. Um, like you said, getting into the backyard, going for a run around the block, um, keeping your hands up with a stick and a ball, um, just doing the little things that your mind keeps in it, that you're not starting fresh here in a few months that you're, you're still into it and you're still got the motions and mindset to be a hockey player.
0: Now, coach, I, I want to stay with you here and I want to stay with this idea of, trying to be a resource for the players um players and parents because that's you know that's what we try to be and and that's that's what this is all about is being a resource for the parents and players out there but talk a little bit about the bulls culture um inside the locker room on the ice and i think the question that that i find is really helpful especially with some of these younger players who are, are starting to get to the age where they're looking at the USPHL they're looking at the Elite and Premier what does the, the average day-to-day look like for a member of your organization? And what does game day look like? Talk about some of the things you guys run through. Talk about some of the, the requirements or some of the time commitments involved.
4: Yeah. Um, so when being part of a Pueblo Bowl, um, it's much more of a commitment just than hockey. Um, you're, you're committing yourself to uh, a city, uh, being a person, being in a family, uh, being in a larger family with 25 other brothers. Um, one thing about us is we are very intense. We, we get after it, um, with us being kind of a younger staff, we, we have the energy We're we're ready to go. Um, so our day to day, uh, we get up at seven in the morning, we're on the ice, um, up and at them, kind of get our guys in the mindset early throughout the day that they're, uh, they're not just kind of sitting around and, and waiting. Uh, they're up and at them 'em. We're, we're on the ice from two to three hours at the beginning of the year. Um, we, we have the ice time that we need. Um, with that, the exam doesn't come on the ice right when we're done. Um, the guys have the extra time, extra hour, two, three hours, whatever they need to, to work on their skills, their individual stuff. Um, the coaches stay on the ice, help with the guys with whatever they need. Um, but it's not just a, a thing where you come in, learn a system or two and you kind of get out. It's, we're really here for, for our players and trying to get them better. Um, one thing is with all these guys coming in, um, you don't get many kids going, yeah, I want to play one year and I'm done with hockey. Um, everybody's goal is I want to move on. I want to play college hockey. Well, believe it or not, college hockey gets even harder. So for us to sit here and and kind of take it easy on this, these guys, um, that's not what we really do here. Um, We are very intense. Um, We're we're very black and white. Um, We we help, we teach, we do what we need to do. Um, But we also expect uh, a level of um, compete um, focus that these guys are trying to get better every single day, that we can't take a day off. Um, from the ice, they, they might have an hour um, to rest and grab some food, and then we head over to our gym um, with Antoine Burton. Um, I know he is a very intense guy. Like, uh, like Jerry said, he played six years in the NFL. Um, he grew up in Buffalo, New York. He loves Dominic Hasek. Um He's just 6'5", about 270. So he really couldn't get on skates. He's definitely a football guy. Um, body structure, but he uh, he has the hockey mindset of uh, of athletes and how to how to get better every single day um, so with what we're doing, um, yes we like to have fun we we want to get these guys to grow up fast um, do what they need to do um, it is junior hockey still, but um, there is a goal for us and, and for these players that uh, that they need to get better on and off the ice and and we try to do everything we can for them to to succeed
1: now Jerry, I'm going to give our last question before we move to our quick educational corner here with Lucas. But I want to ask you, what do you consider a win? Obviously, as the owner, you know, behind the scenes, pulling those strings at the events, putting all this together, making sure the team is flowing correctly. What do you consider a win at the end of the year? Is it raising that cup? Is it the amount of the amount of recruited players is it the is it the amount of commitment you find what is what is a win for yourself for the Pueblo Bulls look like
2: well Dan, thanks for the for the question because what's most important to me and and my wife is first and foremost seeing the the, the looks and happiness on these kids faces um, during the year and at the end of the season how many can we move on you know I go back to to uh, to, to Dave and Chris who are on the phone. Dave and Chris uh, lived together three years in juniors, four years in college, and I say that they're probably closer brothers than than most brothers that live in a live in a house are. And they both of them are all, all my sons. Um, my older son uh, Matthew, and then Mark and and Chris. Um, all of them. You look at their friend base, and they're all from junior hockey. They're guys they played with, and and I'll say this as a parent. And you'd like to say that their college years were better and this, I gotta tell you right now, looking at my my sons, the happiest they ever were or are was their years of playing juniors and the hard work they put in and the friendships that they've they've uh, earned. And um, so success for me is these kids getting an opportunity and 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 I'll say this about Chris. I don't think Chris's goal when he went to, to play junior hockey was to go on to to college. Um, In fact, I make the comment at times, I don't think, Chris, that was his avenue. But yet at the end of uh, four years of playing juniors, he ended up going on to St. Mary's University. And I don't think if he would have gotten a D1 scholarship, it would have came out any better than what he got with grants and things like that, that, that his coach was able to get him. And four years later, he graduates from St. Mary's University in Minnesota. So to me, That's the success is giving these kids the opportunity to do things that maybe they wouldn't have been able to do or could have done um, on their own. And having these guys who have walked the path to go on to college, whether to play hockey or or to go to school and end up and then go on to, to have, you know, uh, families of their own. So for me and my wife, it's it's that. And I'll tell you, all, all 30, 35 kids who rolled through our system last year, even some that we ended up trading, that uh, they're all our children.
1: <laughs> they're all our kids and will be forever. I absolutely love it. And you can't put it any better than that. I mean, the opportunities that the game of hockey itself creates for some and the opportunities that junior hockey, when done right, can create for a player the doors that can open that used to be walls. Gentlemen, it has been absolutely awesome talking to you. Do not go anywhere. We're going to have a chance at parting words after this educational corner with Lucas Jones. So get your words ready, get your thoughts together. We'll each get a chance at our parting words coming up next. But first, Lucas, take it away with your educational corner.
0: Thanks, Dan. You know, I I think one of the things that I'm seeing more and more with some of the, some of the young people that I work with is, is hesitation. And so I think my educational words today are be bold. You know, it's easy to talk yourself out of bold action. It's easy to say, well, every hockey player is emailing every coach right now, or coaches and GMs are dealing with their own problems. They don't want to hear or read emails from, from me specifically. And everybody has these thoughts. It's, it, It persists with you. It's this idea of, well, maybe I won't be the one who does it. You have to push past that. And I think what separates the people who end up pushing past that and getting their opportunities and those who don't are the ones who say, no, I'm going to send that email to that coach on a team I want to play with. I'm going to send a reel to a college coach for a college that I've been dying to play for for three years. I'm going to send that job application. I'm going to send that resume. I'm going to do the thing that I know I want to do, even with that little voice in my head telling me that maybe I shouldn't, maybe it's not worth it. And so my educational tip of the day today is to be bold and to do the things that you know that you need to do to be successful, even when that voice tells you not to.
1: Bold like my Tanzanian pea berry coffee, Lucas. That's, <laughs> that's how bold you should be. And another great job. Again, the Dan Kay Show, we, we, try, to, we try to make this podcast for you folks at home very similar to what folks like the Pueblo Bulls organization are doing and building players, not just on the ice, but off of it. And what we want to remind every player of each and every week is that there is work to be done at all times, especially in the classroom during this quarantine, get your work done, keep yourself growing, keep getting better each and every day. With that in mind, we've had a great time. We start our parting words, Obviously we go with Lucas. He's the most verbose. He is always yapping away. His parting words are usually beautiful. Lucas, your parting words. I, I actually heard some noise that time, Lucas. I'm a little bit worried. Does that count as parting words? Uh,
0: for the record, that did not come from my microphone. <laughs> ah, <but> I got <laughs> you you thought before. you had me.
1: For the, for the Pueblo Bulls fans and the West Western hockey community tuning into the Dan K show for the first time, Lucas has never once given parting words in the history of the Dan K. Show because I like to hear myself speak. But let's go. We're going to start with Coach Chris Wilhite here. Your parting words? What's that's the last message you have for the folks watching around the world at home?
4: Um, I just I just got to say first off, uh, thank you guys for having us. Um, it's been a pleasure to speak with you guys, speaking to the USPHL world, um, the hockey world. But uh, no, I, I just got to reiterate. Um, kind of what we do and that we are here for the players. Um, yes, we, we do have a business here of having fans, um, selling apparel, doing all that. But um, as a staff, I, I could say our number one goal here is is to help our players and move them on. So, uh, I mean, as guys are looking for a place to play, and getting moved on and getting seen by the right people and having fun doing it, Pueblo is the place to play.
1: Awesome words there, Coach. Awesome words. And I can tell you, I already feel – you can feel you've got that style there where it's not that it's not that overspoken style. I can tell you, I'd be ready to run through a wall for you if I were on the ice on the bench with you. Let's move to GM Dave Nelson, your parting words for the folks at all.
3: Uh, just again, uh, touch. Uh, thank you guys for the, the opportunity to, uh, you know, allow us to uh, uh, share uh, the Pueblo Bulls as an organization and, and the community of Pueblo. Um, we're looking forward to the opportunity to play and be a part of a great league in, in the USPHL premiere, uh, next year. And, and, uh, you know, uh, just touched on Chris, I think, uh, as a player side, uh, we have everything, uh, you're looking for as far as developing and the opportunity to, uh, uh, be embraced by, by a community here in Pueblo. So, uh, thank you guys again and uh, look forward to next year.
1: Hey, anytime. And we love talking with you guys and we can't wait to build a relationship here with the Pueblo Bulls and get out there and see some of this fan base here, get chirped a little bit by them if we pick against them. Finally, I go to owner Jerry Wilhite, your parting words for the folks at home.
2: Oh, my parting words is you're welcome in Pueblo. We'd love to have you out here. We'd love to have you come to our facility um, the radio stations out front. And the one thing I will tell you is that I know we finished fourth in the league in our first year in uh, viewership on the uh, on the uh, live broadcast that we had, whether we were on the road or at home, we finished fourth in the league in our first year. So our fan base will know who you are. They will be involved with you. Um, I will tell you, if you have us uh, never on the top 10 and Because we didn't earn it, we don't deserve to be there. But we feel we'll get to a place where we'll be there, and you you will be embraced. I would like to leave with this last comment, and that's to the parents. Anytime you send your kid away from home, you kind of worry about you know where they going, who's going to take care of them, those kind of things. And I want every parent that's looking at coming to Pueblo or sending your kid to Pueblo, and you could ask any player that's been here. your kids will be taken care of. Um, they will be taken care of on and off the ice. And uh, if there's anything that they need, my wife and I are committed that fits within the NCAA rules. My wife and I are committed to doing whatever we can for each and every one of these uh, players that come and become
1: a Pueblo Bowl. Thank you very much for your for allowing us to be on your show today. That is absolutely awesome, guys. I mean. It- the opportunity to talk to you all today has been splendid. I can't wait to work with you all out there in Pueblo, see you guys out at events throughout the country with the USPHL and just throughout the hockey world. It, all it's about is getting these guys to the next level, putting these players in positions to succeed, and you all get it. And if you're a player at home, if you're a parent at home and you liked what you heard today, go to PuebloBullsHockey.com. That's PuebloBullsHockey.com. Dot com for those of you like Dan K who are bad at spelling that's P-U-E-B-L-O-B-U-L-L-S-Hockey.com. I hope you can spell the hockey part if you're playing it. And my parting words, you know, last week I used the word isolation to kind of go along with the quarantine. This this week I used the word expansion. And you know This is a time for expansion for all of us. And and in the honor of the Pueblo Bulls joining the USPHL, the Western expansion of the USPHL, I remind each of our players at home, every person listening at home, that now isn't a time to expand who you are, expand what you can do and expand what you can become, continue to work, continue to put in the effort and continue to battle throughout. And you know, if you are still a player looking for your next step at home, if you are looking to find your way, expand your horizons look out west because you've got nine new organizations that might just be the place for you including the pueblo bulls who we talked to today i i know there's some players out there who i've talked to who are getting a lot of rejection a lot of non-response a lot of places where they might be trying to find that next step and they just can't get there i'll i'll let you in on a little tale of my life i before i got into the hockey world before i got behind a mic received 105 rejection letters for jobs. I was trying to find my way. I was battling out of college, and I didn't know where to go next. Finally, one door opened, and I've gotten to where I am today because of one door. And all it takes is one door. Continue to reach out, continue to pound the pavement, and continue to work hard. You will get to that next level. You will find that next home. And we hope you enjoyed watching the Dan K show, Dan K and Lucas Jones. When Dan K is on the mic, it's always hockey night. We thank the Pueblo Bulls, Jerry Wilhite, your owner, general manager, Dave Nelson and head coach, Chris Wilhite for joining us today. An incredible conversation. One of my favorite episodes this year. Can't wait to see you all in the top 10 of the power rankings. Tune in next week to the Dan K show presents junior hockey.